Welcome to Biblical Truth Made Simple. You know, have you ever had something you wanted so bad you'd do almost anything to get it? Well, that's how our hearts should feel about seeking Christ. So join us for our newest podcast entitled Seeking. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you would do anything to get it? You know, I had a cat once that loved bacon. She developed this taste one day when I dropped a piece on the floor and she quickly gobbled it up. And after that day, the fight began. After that day, whenever I had bacon for breakfast, she would do all she can to sneak and grab a piece. There was one day I was at my computer eating breakfast and working and unknown to me, she was laying behind my computer. Out of the corner of my eye, I caught a napkin with the bacon on it, slowly being dragged behind the computer by a paw. I looked behind the computer and she gave me that total look of innocence and drew her paw back. But that wasn't the end of the fight. You know, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, we should be like my cat. We should be constantly doing all we can to draw him closer to us. There should be nothing between us and Christ. Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked upon him and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. Jericho is about 25 miles from Jerusalem, and would be Jesus' last stop before he entered the city. Later on in this chapter, we see the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Here, we are introduced to Zacchaeus. It says here that he was the chief tax collector and rich. Jericho was a major trade hub and he collected the taxes there. And that would give him a great opportunity to become very rich, but mostly at the expense of his own people. Tax collectors were seen as traitors and sellouts to the Romans for the sake of money. Zacchaeus was very interested in this acclaimed Messiah who was passing through. We can rest assured that many of the tales of Jesus' healing and preaching preceded Jesus wherever he went, and this piqued the interest of Zacchaeus. But he was having a hard time seeing because he was not what one would call tall. In fact, in my mind, I think of Zacchaeus as a Danny DeVito. You know, as followers of Christ, we are the people that are supposed to have a good reputation. Are there people who seek to meet you? I know this seems trivial. It seems like not really an important set of questions to ask, but Zacchaeus went to great lengths to see this Jesus, whom he had heard 
about because of all the good works he had done and the words he had spoken. How we present ourselves to the world is a direct reflection on how we see Jesus and how we are to live like Jesus. We are his ambassadors to the lost in a modern world. We are ambassadors to the sinful world and our reputation, how people see us, is very important. On the road to the cross, we interact with other travelers on and off the road, and how they see Jesus determines in how we live our lives. In both Timothy, 1 Timothy and in Titus, it says that the leader in the church must be without reproach. That is, they must have a good reputation. I say this goes beyond just the leaders and applies to all Christians. We are all sinners, and that includes deacons, elders, pastors, and every person sitting in the church since the beginning of time. Our righteousness only comes from God. Paul says in Colossians 1, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Along with this righteousness imputed upon us by Jesus comes responsibility to live a life that reflects we have been saved, a life that reflects we are slaves to righteousness and means we are obedient to God. Romans 6.19 says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, now you present yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And the obedience that we see in our righteousness leads us to being a light in a lost world. It leads us to have a life that reflects Christ. It means we have a good reputation. And this is only accomplished when we fervently seek Christ. Like Zacchaeus, we do not let anything stand in the way of seeing Jesus. He never stopped seeking us even while we were sinners. Let us not ever stop seeking him because we are saved. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Of all the people surrounding Jesus, and I'm sure there were plenty, Jesus singles out one of the most hated people in Jericho. In the eyes of the people, Zacchaeus was not only the chief tax collector, but he was also the chief sinner. If I could count the number of people that I know that say they believe in Jesus but refuse to come to him for salvation until they get their own lives together, I could have probably retired many years ago. The road to the cross is full of broken down vessels of people that need healing, of sinners. What they all have in common is like Zacchaeus, Jesus sought them and called them. And like Zacchaeus, they answered. Zacchaeus didn't say, no, you eat dinner with someone else while I kind of get my life together. And he didn't say, I'm not worthy to eat with someone who is not a sinner. No, his response was that he hurried down from the tree and received Jesus into his house, and he did this with joy. There was no hesitation and no lack of enthusiasm, but there was exceeding joy. Do you remember the moment that Jesus changed your life? Does it bring tears of joy? I certainly hope so, for it was with 
that that we got the greatest gift that anyone could ever give us, the gift of eternal life, the gift of righteousness, the gift of peace, the gift of joy. But even in our joy, just like with Zacchaeus, there will be those that try and take that joy away. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner? How dare he? There will be those inside, yes, I I said inside, and outside the church that will scoff at some that come to faith. There's an old saying that a leopard cannot change its spots. And that is true. Apart from God, a leopard cannot change a thing. But with God, all things are possible. When Jesus proclaimed in Matthew chapter 19, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. His disciples wondered then, who can be saved? Because the rich in ancient times in ancient Israel were thought to be blessed by God. And Jesus answered them, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Apart from God, it is impossible to change. We will always be drawn back into doing the things we hate because we are human. When God, we indeed can change our spots. Yet there will still be those that do not see our present or even our future. All they see is our past. God is not interested in your past, but he is fully invested in your eternal future. And with that eternal future, with that salvation, with that imputed righteousness upon us, comes change. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus had an immediate change of heart. He went from a sinner to a righteous person seeking to correct everything he had done wrong. One of the laws of physics that I quickly learned even as a child is that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And I know that this lesson is often learned by those swinging metal balls that click and clack back and forth, but that isn't where I learned this lesson. It came from that if I slugged my older brother, there was always an equal and opposite reaction. You see, when our hearts of stone are removed and changed into a heart that loves God, there is a reaction. There is change. There is an opposite and equal reaction for that action. Zacchaeus no longer saw his wealth as the thing that defined who he was. He saw Jesus. We can no longer see the things that define us as being who we are once we accept Christ. The definition of who we are is fully found in Jesus Christ. It is fully found in our relationship with him. Zacchaeus no longer sought to cheat his people for more wealth. He sought to heal broken relationships. He sought to give back the things that he had taken. One cannot have a change of heart. One can't have a heart transplant and not have a profound change in the way that they live their lives. You cannot be the same person you were if you want to be that person in Jesus Christ. Change is inevitable. You cannot be the light and still embrace the dark. You cannot walk in righteousness and still seek sin. 
But there are those who still even walk that fine line, keeping one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. Jesus says of these that they are lukewarm and he will spit them out. You must be totally and completely dedicated to Jesus in your walk with him. And in that there will be change. And in that you will find peace and you will find joy. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house, since he also is a son of Abraham. This is one verse I don't want to pass over too quickly because it does bear some insight. For the people that surrounded Zacchaeus, the reality that because they were ethnic Jews automatically made them sons of Abraham. This was their thought process. Yet Jesus pointed out that because Zacchaeus had given his life to Christ, because salvation had come to his house, he also is a son of Abraham. Many times throughout scripture, those that have put their faith in Jesus are referred to as heirs to the promise of Abraham. Abraham was accounted righteousness not because he was chosen by God, not because of his ethnic background. He was found righteous because of his faith. Genesis 15, 6. Abram, also known as Abraham, believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Romans 4.13 says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir to the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. As Christians who have put their faith in Christ, we are heirs to the promise of Abraham. We have been grafted into the tree of Israel, the true Israel, the Israel that lives by faith, by faith in God, by faith in Christ, the true Israel. So in the reality, we are Israel, not by anything that we have done, but only by what has been accomplished on the cross. And for all those that have put their faith in Christ, there is the promise of Abraham, the arrow to the promise of the world, not because of our ethnic background or because of our wealth or our good deeds or our fame, but solely because of what Christ accomplished on the cross and by putting our faith in him. And once again in that, we find change, a changed life. Jesus ends this discourse with, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. When something seeks you, that means you have a desire to be found. You know, remember the joy, if you've ever been, ever had a child who was lost, or if you yourself have ever been lost, the joy you felt when you were found by somebody? You know, I used to work search and rescue in my younger days. And the joy on the face of somebody who was lost in the forest or lost in the canyon or lost in the desert when they were found really can't be expressed. Not only is there joy, but there's relief. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He is speaking of us. He is speaking of you. We are all lost in our sin. We are all wandering around in the dark, bumping into things right and left, because we can't truly see where we are going. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the savior of all mankind. He brings light into our lives when he changes our hearts and we can finally see where we are going. We can finally see our true purpose and our true destination. Our true purpose, to live solely for God, to glorify him in everything that we do. Our destination is eternal life with God.
If you are wandering around today, if you are like Zacchaeus and you are living in a world as a sinner and Jesus walks through your life, climb into a tree and get a good look. And I can guarantee you that he will call you. And when he calls you, you are to answer. And when you answer, answer with joy. For God sent his only son to earth to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to proclaim that the kingdom is at hand, but only to die on a cross, to be beaten beyond recognition, bloodied with skin hanging off his body. He was then nailed to a cross where he absorbed the full wrath of God, the full wrath of the sins of the world upon his shoulder and where he died but only to rise on the third day and ascend to heaven where he now sits as our king at the right hand of God. And for all those who put his faith in him, you too are given the title of king and priest. You too are accounted righteous before God because of what was accomplished. Today is the day to put your faith in him. Today is the day to climb your own sycamore tree and to seek Jesus. And when he calls you, answer, and you answer with joy. Father, I pray that we all are like Zacchaeus, that we fervently seek you and do all that we can to be close to you and to be like you. For in your greatness, you came and died for us, sinners. The creator of the universe loves me so much that he died for me. How much more praise, that there is not enough praise to give to you for that. I pray that through this, hearts are changed. That people realize leopards truly can change their spots when God is involved. For what is impossible for man is always possible with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to today's podcast. You know, my... Prayer for you is that you are like Zacchaeus and you fervently seek God in everything that you do and you fervently do everything you can do to live a life that reflects that to others around you. And until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you, the wind always be at your back, the sun shine warmly upon your face, and God forever hold you gently within his hands. Mm -hmm.